0: are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. This is
1: Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. My goal is to find top people in their field, usually uh, one in a thousand type people the geniuses today i have scott a johnson Um, he changed his own life Uh, he had a a serious chronic illness which we'll go into and he was able to improve his condition without uh, using only traditional medicine and uh, now he's uh, he works on uh, with essential oils and uh, aromatherapy things like that Um, so we're going to get into his journey how he was able to help himself and uh, now he helps other people to do the same so scott thanks for coming how you doing I'm great. Thanks, Richard, for inviting me and having me on your show. Yeah, I wanted to be a little bit vague because it's your story. You can tell it better. So if you wouldn't mind, um, you know, please let people know what happened to you and what, what did you do to help yourself?
2: Yeah, you know, um, many years ago, I was diagnosed with a condition called ankylosing spondylitis. Most people haven't heard of it because it's a pretty rare condition. Um, it's estimated to affect less than 1% of the adult population. But its main manifestations are significant um, back or neck pain, uh, especially after rest. So like if you've slept overnight, um, that's when it will tend to flare the most because you've been resting for long periods of time. But it's also a progressive condition that can affect other tissues of the body, um, heart, lungs, eyes, uh, and various other joints throughout the body. So it, it's pretty debilitating. Um, it, it can definitely reduce people's quality of life, um, possibly even um, their ability to to work, depending on how far it progresses and and how well they respond to treatment, how quickly treatment is initiated. But I was fortunate enough to be able to find some natural solutions that helped me to. Uh, get my condition under control, and I, I really have been symptom-free and considered in remission now for several years, which has been a great blessing.
1: Is it a uh, autoimmune disease, or can you say a little bit more about it?
2: Um, it's considered an auto inflammatory condition, which is similar to autoimmune, and it's just a, a slightly different um, molecular mechanism in which it Occurs, but but yes, it is, and in some some ways, it's it's considered um, a, to have a genetic predisposition. Predisp- if people have the HLA B twenty seven gene, um, that's commonly found in people who have the condition. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely is something that attacks the body's uh, tissues and and causes some serious disruption.
1: In Western medicine, what's the uh, treatment protocol that typically they want to give you?
2: You know, the the start is to typically give you a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug and um, a common one is indomethacin. So they'll start you on something like that. And uh, that usually helps to reduce that inflammation that you have in your body um, in a lot of people. But uh, it, it doesn't tend to be a permanent solution. And it has some other things that are associated with it, such as ulcers. That was my case. And really what drove me into looking for alternatives was uh, I started to have severe stomach pain after being on the endomethacin for a short time. And uh, it it was an ulcer that was causing. And so I first wanted to correct that ulcer. I felt like, you know, after conversations with my rheumatologist that I I had to choose between back pain or stomach pain because I didn't want both at the same time. And then after those NSAIDs don't work, they, they can have other treatment options. Sometimes they'll do ster- steroid injections into the spine. Uh, they can also use uh, disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drugs. Uh, that's another common treatment. Uh, in rarer cases, surgery is something that's done. Um, but th- there's a host of different drugs that... Uh, are used in kind of a progressive manner, depending on how the person is responding and and what kind of uh, treatment they need to help them maintain somewhat
1: of a quality of life. Yeah, it's terrible. It sounds like there's no real answer or understanding of the underlying, uh, you know, disease process, what's going on. And, and it sounds like no real cure for it.
2: No, there's not. And I think that's why so many people, when they, they hear that I have mine in remission, their jaw kind of drops. If, if they have the condition or they know somebody that has it, um, there's not a lot of hope for those people because it it is just a progressive medications that are given and you're trying to, to slow symptoms, but you're really not getting to the root of the problem. You're not um, getting the, the progression to stop. And so it, it, it is something that's very difficult for somebody to, be diagnosed with and and feel confident that they will maintain a high quality of life unless they initiate some, some lifestyle changes and, and the use of some natural solutions that are
1: really helpful. So how and why were you different? What, what gave you the insight to look for a different way?
2: You know, I think it was just almost out of desperation. Um, I, like I said, I felt like I had to choose between some pretty severe stomach pain or the back pain that I was experiencing. And I just didn't want to do that. I, I thought that there has to be a better way to accomplish uh, control and management of this illness that I had. And and so that got me searching. I spent a lot of time searching um, on the internet and in books, trying to find Uh, some kind of solution or answer to first the stomach issues that I was having and I did find that and was able to correct that and that got me really excited and I thought well if I can do that for my stomach then what else can I do to help my back there's got to be something that'll help my back as well and through painstaking research and some trial and error and experimentation I found some uh, natural solutions that were able to to help with the back pain as well and it just progressively got better until I can confidently say that I haven't had any symptoms and I feel like it's in remission.
1: So to help your stomach was that more diet and then the back was uh, was that where the aromatherapy came in or how did it come in?
2: You know, it was uh, the stomach was actually a a, a, um, an, a long used herbal remedy called um, deglycerizinated licorice root, or DGL, for short, and um, it's one to known known to help uh, stimulate uh, the natural production of the stomach lining in the stomach to protect against the acidic environment in there and to promote overall digestion. So that's that's what that was. And then, uh, there was some herbs and supplement combinations that I used for the ankylosing spondylitis and also, um, some topical essential oils at that time uh, that just gave some great relief. And so it was a combination of a lot of different things. And, and it really was a lot of trial and error and figuring out what was the right amounts of things to take. Um, but I feel fortunate that i was able to to find those solutions and to and to see some progress and see the benefits of them
1: so tell me some of the um, i mean some of the parts of the journey how do people you know when i think of aromatherapy i think of all oh, this eucalyptus oil or lavender you can mm-hmm. smell it it smells nice you relax but mm-hmm. how do you go further and find out even what's possible with aromatherapy and with herbs like maybe go into some detail on um, what these things can do and what are some areas that you looked into, that people can look into to find out more?
2: Yeah, you know, initially, um, when it comes to natural medicines or um, natural solutions, it can be pretty frustrating because you look online, and there are so many options. And there's also a lot of conflicting information. Uh, That was one thing that I found very frustrating as I would read one book, and then I go to the next book, and it would say something entirely different. So it was really difficult for me to of narrow in on what I should do. But ultimately, I found what worked best for me is to look at the traditional use of uh, essential oils or herbal remedies, whatever it may be, and then try and find some supportive evidence in the form of uh, published science to determine what would be the best approach. And so I, that's really been what I've focused my career on, is to merge those ancient healing arts with modern science in order to um, show how to use them more effectively and safely. I think that that's probably why I'm so driven in in writing books um, because I don't want people to have the same kind of frustration and maybe give up when they might have a solution waiting right at the end of their research. And so I write a lot of books um, to help people understand how to use them to to leverage the thousands of hours that I've put into research and education um, and all of the experience and and put that into an understandable, easily digestible format so people can learn from that much quicker than it took me to, to get the same kind of knowledge. And I think that's what's a key is to really find an expert that you can trust. And I would say find more than one because our experiences and our life uh, definitely shapes how we use a lot of the essential oils and, and other trai- traditional solutions, find a couple of people you can trust and and devour their information, whether they have it in book form or they're publishing it online. However, you can get that information, focus on it and, and really become your own expert in, in how to help yourself be the best healthy self that you can.
1: Yeah. Out of the sources of info, which ones tended to be better for you? Was it a, uh play like one-on-one interaction with with masters or was it
2: books or I spent most of my time in books you know I, I got several books from uh, well-known natural healers and, and I read those books and and then once I got past reading their books I actually started to look in published literature so I just went to, to PubMed the National Institutes of Health and I would search various terms and solutions together and see what the published literature found and said. And so I spent a lot of time in kind of both ways. Um, You know, I've I've spent time with colleagues, too, and and one-on-one personal conversations uh, to to learn as well. But it's been a lot of time with self-study for the most part, and, and reading those who have published information, both in the scientific or research realm, as well as uh, the clinicians and, and other healers that have a lot of experience and, and a lot to give to people who can
1: learn from them. So when you were reading things online, there was a lot of conflicting info. What about when you were reading books? Was it still the same? And then when you got to the level of papers, scientific papers, again, was there conflicting info or was that where... Things really started to coalesce.
2: Yeah, you still saw some conflicting information in the books. Online, I would say, had the most conflicting information. The books, not as much. There there was a lot of consensus or there was a lot of um, similar concepts throughout those books. And then when you got to the published research, um, th- there was fewer and far between to have conflicting information. Um, conflicting research often you would look at it, and there was method methodology flaw, or there was maybe they used a poor quality product in it that was obvious that would um, kind of confound their results or pr- produce conflicting results. But in general, there was a lot of consensus when you looked at published papers as well.
1: Are there um clinical trials for various aromatherapy uh, substances? Or essential oils or is this more you're looking into one particular thing, you know the effects of uh, dandelion root on X for
2: Yeah you, you know there are that more clinical trials are emerging in essential oils. The vast majority of the research currently, if you go and search you'll find over 20,000 studies on essential oils, but the vast majority of those are going to be laboratory or um, like animal research that's been performed but there is a significantly growing body of evidence in relation to clinical studies. And sometimes it is like what you, you're saying, um, they've, they're kind of investigating one particular oil and what it does. Lavender is a great example. There's lots and lots of studies on lavender and its ability to help with anxious feelings or anxiety and nervousness. Uh, so sometimes it is that other times they're testing them for, all kinds of different uh, conditions that were affected by uh, both physical and uh, mental and emotional conditions. Uh, The interesting thing is that a lot of these clinical studies, uh, there's a lot of those that are found in um, countries that have a long tradition of essential oils. Um, Persia has a long tradition of using or distilling essential oils. And so not surprisingly, Iran, modern-day Persia, has a significant amount of clinical research that goes on uh, that they publish and, and we can learn from what they're, what they're doing there.
1: So what are some of the, uh, the basic concepts that would be helpful for people to know when they're dealing with their own condition?
2: Well, I think patience is one thing that people have to first and foremost go into it because you can't expect uh, a condition that maybe you've had for four or five, maybe 10 or 15 years to to start reversing overnight, or you can't expect to feel better overnight. Um, you're generally going to just have to take some patience because most natural solutions are not really trying to stop something from happening in the body as much as they're just supporting normal, natural and healthy processes that keep us in that state of homeostasis or good health that all of us want to be in. Um, But I, I think that it's, it's also a good thing to again, look and see what a a couple of different experts, at least two, but maybe more experts are saying uh, will help with that particular condition. uh, And giving it a good try Uh, you can't oh i tried it for three days and i didn't notice anything i'm just throw it to the curb continue working with it because uh, sometimes it's going to take months maybe even years for you to see the progress that you want but it will slowly come and you'll slowly see uh, benefits
1: so if i have a condition how would i start looking would i look up aromatherapy for x or essential oils for x or I just, I start with your books or like, how do I go on this journey to figure out what to do to help myself?
2: Well, if you're looking for essential oil um, therapies or aromatherapy, yeah, I would say grab one of my books as a starter and, and you'll find many of the norm or the common conditions in those books that you can look at and, and see what the general recommendations are. I think you also need to look at your lifestyle though because I I don't like it when people just try and substitute a natural solution for what they're using currently that's been um, recommended a medicine or something like that that's not really a great approach because typically our lifestyles get us into a lot of these conditions it's not always the case but um the way we're eating, um, the, the way we're moving, the way that we handle our emotions and stress, those are all really important. And so it really needs to be a lifestyle thing, a lifestyle change. But then you look at what are the general solutions from a dietary supplement or herbal perspective, aromatherapy perspective. What are those things that are recommended that can help us to improve, to, to see the benefits that we're hoping to see from what we, the changes we make?
1: Yeah, it's rare that I speak to someone that knows anything about, again, essential oils or aromatherapy. So, what's, what's some of the science behind uh, those two? Like, what, what are some particulars that will give people, um, you know, some like, insight into uh, what they would learn when they read about it?
2: Well, I think that um, we have to remember that essential oils are highly concentrated extracts from plants, um, they're very potent. And so they they have the ability to have some significant actions or interactions with the body. The, the amazing thing to me is that as we continue to study essential oils, we continue to find the methods that they're using, the mechanisms or the pathways that they're using that they can interact with cell receptors and uh, and proteins that are found within the body. Um, They can enter cells because a cell is surrounded by a lipid bilayer and because that's a fatty substance, essential oils are attracted to fats and they can uh, not only interact with the outside of the cell but the inside of the cell and affect the way that that cell's organelles are working and the genes are expressing within that cell. essential oils can work within specific organ systems and support organ system pathways or certain uh, pathways that create neurotransmitters or other uh, cytokines, for example, to either reduce those so that we can have a normal inflammatory response within the body. And so we continue to find all this new data and evidence that supports how essential oils are working with these normal functions within the body. And that's what is so great is because our body is well-equipped and innately designed to keep us in a state of health. It doesn't want to be in that state of poor health. And so it has all these systems and mechanisms and ways to protect our health and to keep us in good good health. Um, But when we give it something like an essential oil or another natural solution, it can help us to those systems work more efficiently. And so we can enjoy greater periods of health than ill health.
1: Okay, so I I thought with essential oils or aromatherapy it was just, you know, smelling things, but I mean, since they're plant extracts, I would guess you can drink them, you can rub them on, you can inhale them. I mean, there's many different ways to, uh, to use essential oils, right?
2: There certainly is. Um, inhalation is one of the simplest methods, um, but I, all too often I think people discount it because it is so simple. But inhalation, because our sense of smell is the only sense directly connected to the brain, uh, can have some significantly profound effects upon our mood, emotions, and even the way that our body is producing various chemicals. in the. And, and that's, that's what's amazing is, for example, they've done studies on uh, women showing that when they inhale a rose or a geranium essential oil, that just that inhalation alone can trigger mechanisms within the body that helps them to have a greater balance in their sex hormones like estrogen and uh, progesterone. And so it, it we have a various ways we can use essential oils. And I think that you, the way that you're thinking of them is probably what most people think of it because we use that term aromatherapy, which almost insinuates that we're only going to use them to inhale them but they can be applied topically we can we can apply them or Maybe maybe have sore muscles after we worked out in the gym or went on, on a run or something or worked in our garden uh, we can apply essential oils topically um, preferably with some uh, carrier oil like a coconut oil or um, sweet almond oil or something like that to help provide relief that way. And then there are a group of them. There are many that can actually be ingested as well. Um, I typically recommend ingesting them inside capsules. You can buy empty vegetable capsules and put a couple drops in those and then fill the rest with an olive oil or another fatty oil and take them that way. So there are many that can be ingested and, and clinical research uses them uh, frequently as In in capsules to ingest, uh, for example, to help with irritable bowel or to help with even with anxiety. So that's the great thing about essential oils is we have multiple ways to use them, and because there's multiple ways, they interact with various different pathways in our body to help support normal physiological and and psychological responses within the body.
1: I guess it's not so different from traditional medicine. Um, They'll use plant compounds. They'll maybe isolate. One of the compounds they think is effective, they'll put it in a pill, you know, or some other kind of drug. I mean, this is just uh, it's similar, but it's keeping all the uh, ancillary compounds that are in a given plant or herb, and you're taking those instead,
2: right? And it, it's really leveraging whole plant chemistry because you're right that most drugs they're going to isolate what they determine to be an active molecule within the the plant. Um, a lot of our um, current pharmaceuticals were derived from Isolating and then synthesizing uh, plant molecules. But this leaves whole plant chemistry where we, we we actually call it polypharmacology because essential oils can can contain from a dozen to hundreds of compounds within them. And so you have all of these uh, compounds that are working. Uh, together often in a synergistic way or you might have some minor trace compounds that are buffering a negative effect that might occur if you isolate the one um, quote-unquote active uh, compound within that and so uh, that's that's one of the great things about them is they have so many different uh, compounds that uh, you have a lot of interaction with those and and a synergy that can occur to create uh,
1: greater benefits. So what are some examples of uh conditions that you've helped people with or that you've seen or helped and what kind of substances have helped them
2: yeah um, I could actually say talk about several um, that of similar of cases or things that that I have seen as far as um, essential oils work um, I think that when you look at it though we have to first caution that Everybody's biologically unique. And so what works for one person, not necessarily going to work for other people. Um, But it it is um, something that we can definitely see results. For example, um, I would say when we're talking to about essential oils. So some of my favorite messages I get, of course, are people who have found my book on ankylosing spondylitis and what I recommend and do myself in order to keep it in shape. So I get messages from all over the world with success stories saying they had hope. But when it's directly talking about essential oils, I've also had several uh, messages that from women who have had difficulty conceiving and they follow um, some suggestions that are in my books, and then they're able to conceive. I've had them send pictures to their babies and, and say how grateful they are, which is, is really one of the reasons I do this is because I love to help other people find greater wellness. But I've, I've also seen um, people who have had diabetic foot ulcers that were not responding to antibiotic treatment, and they were told by their physician that they would have to have the the foot amputated because it was so bad and had so much necrotic tissue, uh, and and they're desperate to keep that foot. And so they have tried essential oils and, and had success and prevented that amputation to former football players that, you know, have, that's rough on their bodies, especially the linemen, to have better functioning knees because of the essential oils that they choose to put on. And and that that helped them. Uh, I've also seen people who have had limited movement um, in their hand due to a injury that involved uh, a crush injury that involved uh, surgery that had to repair it, and they've got better movement. So I I really feel like that I'm living my dream by empowering thousands of people to improve their health. I really love it.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Anything in the literature that you've seen that you know, maybe you haven't tried, but you're like, we're really surprised to see that you would like to, uh, maybe not try it yourself, but you'd like to see in action.
2: You know, there's always interesting things that people try, you know, uh, researchers that push the limits and try different, uh, something that's unique. I, I, one is interesting is um, there's they're using uh, an, an inhalant method that... They're piloting it now, and they've published a couple times on it. But they've got a specific grouping of essential oil molecules that they use as an inhalant for people who suffer from migraines. And so it's uh, it, they stick a device up their nose and inject the essential oil molecules, the vapors, directly into the nose, and with some success in uh, in preventing a migraine from coming on, or even. Um, reducing the pain and severity, so that really was intriguing to me. I think that um, that, especially the method of delivery, uh, I would like to, you know, have some experience in using that kind of inhalant device that they're working on.
1: So, what are uh, what's the name of some of your books, and what subjects do they cover? You know, resources for people listening.
2: Well, it depends on what they're wanting to do. I th- I think I have a. a level of different ways you can use essential oils Um, i have a smaller version kind of a cliff notes version of how to use essential oils properly called surviving when modern medicine fails that would be for somebody maybe who is brand new and just getting started with essential oils Um, my most popular one though is called evidence-based essential oil therapy And that one is uh, more, it has a lot more of the research. It summarizes research studies so people can look at it and say, okay, well, this is what the research is saying that that particular oil will do. And then for the people who really want to go into a deep dive, um, especially if you're somebody who's a researcher or a clinician uh, or wants to use this as part of a practice, then that would be Medicinal Essential Oils, which is about a 1,200-page book and has thousands of uh, citations in it to support what's told in it. But then if you're just looking for general nutrition and, and also um, how to move better and how to manage stress, you know, I have books that are on that. It's a similar title called The Doctor's Guide to Surviving When Modern Medicine Fails. I have specific books on, uh, how to manage ADHD naturally. Um, so the various different, uh, type of, uh, books, e- even one on cannabis extracts. So if somebody's interested in how the endocannabinoid system works, I have one, uh, called the endocannabinoid system in cannabis.
1: So what do you think is going to be the future of, uh, essential oils, you know, near term and then, and then further than that, like, who, who is taking the field to the next level and what will it, you know, what do you think is going to, do you think it'll show up clinically a lot or it's going to stay? Unfortunately, maybe in Eastern medicine or on the fringe, like what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, there's, there's been a recent resurgence of people who want to use natural solutions for their health. And I expect this trend to continue and more and more people will take an integrative approach to their health. Um, in fact, just about a year ago, I was asked to write a, a tech, a A chapter in a textbook that's meant to give physician students, medical students, a uh, primer on various different natural modalities, essential oils being one of them. So I was privileged to write the chapter for that uh, book. That's going to help the physicians of the future have at least a basic understanding of how to use a lot of these uh, natural modalities, or at least how their patients might be using them, because we know that they are. So I think that We'll continue to see essential oils experience uh, growth and we'll continue to see more of them being incorporated into traditional or westernized uh, conventional medicine systems uh, because they can work great uh, for very specific circumstances that the medications just maybe don't work as well for. Uh, post-operative nausea is is great um, procedural anxieties is another uh, way that we can use them um, for discomforts after a the procedure or helping to promote the the normal healing and reduce scarring after uh, a surgery is performed but I think that uh, we already have a, a group of Uh, integrative minded physicians that are using and incorporating essential oils and nurses especially like to incorporate them. But that will continue as we get more evidence to support them, uh, that we help uh, physicians and other healthcare professionals understand that they're safe and that they do have a place to work alongside some of the Western options that are being used.
1: Very good, Scott. It's been a good call. And uh, I'm glad that you're looking into these areas when, uh, you know, Western medicine is, is predominant. At least there's other ways to, to address concerns. So uh, people can pick up your books. Um, any other ways for them to find out more or the books are the best start?
2: You can uh, go to my website. I have a website, Authorscott.com, and it has uh, some blogs and information there on various topics, as well as if you're, if you're really interested in essential oils, I share regularly on a Facebook page, so you can search uh, Scott A. Johnson, find my Facebook page, and I share regularly the published research, the new research that's coming out on essential oils, so people can consider that as they determine how they want to use essential oils as part of their uh, lifestyle.
1: Okay, well, very good. Scott, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it.
2: You bet. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for having me.